Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Primal Potential is about you. Your ability to change is not defined by yesterday and doesn't need to wait until tomorrow. Your transformation is now. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, and today we're going to talk about fitness but probably in a way you are not expecting. I am not going to be telling you what you should do to become more fit. I'm going to be giving you some things to think about so that you can come up with the answers best for yourself. And I promise you that at the end of today's episode, you will feel much more confident, not only in assessing your own fitness, but in identifying areas of opportunity for you. My two cents is that there are a lot of people going through the motions, whether that means eating better or moving more, checking the box of I got a workout in, but they're not getting results. Whether it's either two steps forward, two steps back, or just doing the right things even though nothing is changing. I've certainly found myself in that trap before. What I want to do today is talk about what fitness is and most importantly, how you can increase your fitness and make sure that what you are doing is working. I was talking about this recently with one of my girlfriends and we were discussing the fact that we can go to the gym regularly do the work, eat well, and then still struggle if somebody said, are you more fit than you were last month and how do you know? Because most people, not everybody, but most people that are going to a gym or trying to get healthier are doing so because they want something to change. They want something to improve, whether they want to get faster or stronger or leaner People can struggle when you say, well, what's different in your body, in your health related to your goal than it was 30 days ago? And I want to help people have more certainty when they are asked that question or when they ask themselves that question. I thought about this even more after the CrossFit Level 1 training I went to a few weeks ago. What I want to start with today is how they define fitness, CrossFit, not because I think you should subscribe to the definition, but because I think understanding it is going to be a tremendous tool for you in all aspects of your health, not just physical fitness. CrossFit has four different approaches they take when defining fitness. And again, I'm not suggesting you need to think the way CrossFit as an organization thinks, but there is something we can all learn and take from this in a way that it helps us reach our goals, regardless of what our goals are. So the first 
model they use in defining fitness comes from what they call the 10 general physical skills. They say there are 10 general physical skills, which include the first one is cardiorespiratory endurance. The second is stamina, then strength, flexibility, power, speed, coordination, agility, balance, and accuracy. I'll read those one more time. You don't have to memorize them, but we're going to go into them in a little bit more detail. Cardiorespiratory endurance, stamina, strength, flexibility, power, speed, coordination, agility, balance, and accuracy. I remember when I saw them for the first time, I was a little confused on the first two. At a glance, I didn't know the difference between endurance and stamina. In my mind, I kind of thought they were the same thing, like your ability to go for a long time at a sustained effort would be endurance and stamina in my mind, but they actually are different. And without totally going down a rabbit hole, because I didn't know this, I will share with you what I learned. So endurance, cardiorespiratory endurance, is about your body's ability to gather, process, and deliver oxygen. So your efficiency in consuming oxygen and then delivering it throughout your body as needed over time. That is endurance, about processing, utilizing oxygen. Stamina is different because it's not about oxygen. It is about energy or fuel. Stamina is looking at your body's ability to process, deliver, store, and utilize energy, like ATP, which is the most common cellular energy form. So endurance is looking at oxygen and your ability to consume and use and deliver oxygen. Stamina is referring to your body's ability to process fuel, deliver fuel, store fuel, usually in the form of ATP. When it comes to these 10 general physical skills, they tell us a lot about fitness, especially when we look at all 10 versus one. If you just look at one, somebody might look at, say, the best marathon runner in the world, the best long distance runner in the world and say, now that person is really fit. But what CrossFit says, and I think is interesting, is that specializing in one element of fitness makes you great at that one element, but not necessarily fitness. There is a difference between performance and fitness. And while that person might have exceptional performance as a runner, it does not mean that they are fit. What we see with a lot of people who specialize, and I'm just using the example here of a marathon runner, they have excellent endurance and stamina, but they have very little power or strength. Similarly, if we look at an Olympic lifter, they might have significant strength, or measurable power, but very little endurance or stamina. Maybe the yoga enthusiast that we look at in awe of how they can use their body, they might have amazing flexibility and balance, but be very weak in strength or maybe poor in cardiorespiratory endurance or stamina. What CrossFit suggests is he or she is fittest, most fit, 
when they have the greatest overall capacity across all 10 of those general physical skills instead of just being really strong in one. You might have amazing performance in those one or two areas, but that fitness is about your overall capacity in all 10. I think that's really interesting and they make a great point. When I think about this for my own self, and this is really where it stemmed from, how do I know that I'm getting fitter? Well, I know how I'm getting stronger if I PR, get a personal record, a personal best in my deadlift or my squat. I'm stronger, but it's important to realize that that doesn't necessarily mean I'm getting more fit. It could mean that, but it doesn't necessarily Where I am weakest among those 10 general physical skills, making improvements there is going to help me become more fit rather than or compared to improving in an area where I am already strong, which is how this whole conversation started with my girlfriend. She and I are very different in our physical capacity. We worked out together at the same gym for a while, and we have different strengths and weaknesses. Now, her getting better, she has a yoga background, her getting better in mobility or balance isn't necessarily going to make her more fit, but where she's weaker in, say, strength, building strength absolutely could round out and improve her fitness. And I tend to be the opposite. I am strong. I've been strong since I was young, and I've gotten stronger and stronger. And while that feels good, it doesn't necessarily mean that I am getting fitter, but When my endurance improves, when I become faster, my agility improves, then I am likely getting fitter. Improving in my weaknesses across those 10 general physical skills is where I'll probably see the greatest increase in my fitness, right? So it's not necessarily getting better where you're already strong that makes you fitter, but improving where you aren't. So if you love running, you might really want to get faster, and that is awesome, but let's not confuse ourselves in thinking that necessarily makes you fitter. Interesting food for thought. The second model or consideration that CrossFit turns to to define fitness is looking at your proficiency or capacity across different energy pathways. And this is a little bit more science-based. But there are essentially three different energy systems or metabolic pathways that we can use in any kind of physical endeavor. And it's going to be different whether we're doing a one rep max of the deadlift or we're doing a 400 meter run or we're doing a marathon. There are different energy pathways that are predominant in the different energy types. And the reality is that all three of the pathways are being used all of the time, but different kinds of exercise or movement rely on one pathway significantly more than the others. And the first pathway is called the phosphagen pathway. And it is anaerobic, meaning it doesn't require oxygen in order for your body to perform. And the phosphagen pathway is the predominant pathway in activities that are really short. Think like less than 30 seconds, whether that is a max lift or a 100 meter sprint. These are the shortest 
movements, exercises, workouts, super, super short. Effort is really high. Oxygen is not required. And these these activities are taking less than 30 seconds. The second pathway is the dominant one in activities that are more than 30 seconds, but generally less than a couple of minutes. And that pathway is called the glycolytic pathway. Sometimes it's referred to as the lactate pathway. It is also anaerobic, meaning that oxygen is not required. The third is aerobic. Oxygen is required, and it is the oxidative pathway, appropriately named. These are for your longer duration workouts. So aerobic means that oxygen is required. Anaerobic means that it is not. And the aerobic pathways, that oxidative pathway, longer workouts, that is going to happen lower intensity over longer time periods, whereas the anaerobic are going to be shorter periods with higher intensity levels. The anaerobic workouts are going to leverage those first two pathways, phosphagen and glycolytic, and the aerobic longer oxidative where we improve maybe endurance, some of those other general physical skills, but not usually like power or speed. What they tell us about these three different pathways as it relates to fitness is he or she who is the most fit can perform best across all three of these different metabolic pathways. So it's not just somebody who really excels in the endurance, that oxidative pathway, those longer workouts that are lower intensity. But at the same time, it's not the sprinter who can only perform well in those short duration, high intensity workouts. He or she is the most fit who can perform best across all three of those pathways. And this is why variation in our fitness matters so much. This is why we want to avoid, if our goal is fitness, improving fitness, changing our bodies, seeing results, why we want variation, where we want some workouts that are wicked short and super high intensity, but also why some of that longer duration, lower intensity, whether that's hiking, right? It doesn't mean we have to become runners. I don't consider myself in that camp, but maybe we go for a longer hike or we go kayaking and we're out on the water for an hour or something like that. Variation matters. The next consideration is the most fun, I would say, and the easiest to wrap your head around. And I think of this kind of along the lines of a a demonstration of the 10 general physical skills. To me, this isn't entirely a different model, though CrossFit considers it such. To me, I think of this as the practical application of the 10 general physical skills. And this is called the hopper. I want you to think about the hopper as like a big bingo drum, you know, they they crank the handle and all the bowl, balls roll around. In this model of fitness, this comes from Greg Glassman, the founder of CrossFit. He says that if that drum was filled with balls and each one of the balls had a different activity on it, the fittest person is the one who performs the best overall versus the winner in one specialized activity. So inside the drum, you might have a ball that says a marathon and another ball that says 400-meter dash, and another ball that says max deadlift, another ball that says game of tennis, another ball that says one-mile swim, another ball says shot put or jump rope. 
the fittest person is the one who has the best overall performance because they have the broadest scope of those 10 general physical skills. Some of those require endurance, some stamina, some agility or coordination, balance, uh, power, strength, etc. The fourth and final model that CrossFit uses in the definition of fitness is what they call the sickness, wellness, fitness continuum. I love this concept. It shows us that there is a spectrum for basically everything. And on the far left, we have sickness. In the middle, we have wellness or absence of sickness. And on the far right, we have fitness. And it suggests that everything can be placed on this continuum. Speaking specifically about movement and exercise, you could use your mile, your mile time, and place somebody on sickness, wellness, or fitness depending on how they perform, right? Somebody who has to walk the mile and maybe takes, you know, 30 minutes or longer, probably going to be on the sickness side of things, whereas somebody who is wellness might be able to do, you know, 12 or 14 minute mile and somebody on the fitness side of the spectrum is going sub seven. So that can be placed there. Body fat can also be placed on this sickness, wellness, fitness continuum. A body fat percentage of obesity certainly going to be on the sickness side. And then a what we would call healthy body fat percentage would be on the wellness part of the spectrum. And then somebody who is fit would have a body fat percentage even lower than that associated with wellness. Everything can be plotted on this continuum. Resting heart rate, right? There is a high resting heart rate associated with sickness, slightly lower wellness, and even lower than that, fitness. Inflammation in the body can be plotted among this, along this fitness, uh, wellness, sickness continuum. Sleep. Amounts of sleep or quality of sleep associated with sickness, associated with wellness, associated with fitness, waist to hip ratio. And all of our, our movements, right? Your mile time I mentioned, deadlift, right? Not being able to deadlift your body weight be plotted in sickness, being able to deadlift or pull up off the ground your body weight wellness, or twice your body weight fitness, just as an example. Blood sugar. There is a fasting blood sugar associated with sickness. Better than that, associated with wellness, and the best among them associated with fitness. I think you get the point. The, the takeaway here is that he or she is the most fit who has the most of those metrics, whatever they are, of, of the way we move physically, of our body fat percentage, our resting heart rate, our fasting blood sugar, you name it, closer to the fitness side of the spectrum. Here's where these really represent an opportunity for all of us to become more fit. I want you to think about the question, how do I know if I am getting more fit? Not say over a decade, but more immediately in the last 30 days or in the next 30 days. How do I make sure I'm not just going through the motions, checking the box, yeah, I worked out, or yeah, I'm trying to eat better. Am I getting more fit? 
and my girlfriend and I are really spending a lot of time working on this for ourselves, and I'm doing it with some of my clients because honestly, where we want to go is we want to create a tool to help people have this awareness instead of struggling because a lot of people really struggle to answer that question. If I said to you, are you more fit than you were 30 days ago? How do you know? Or how will we know if you are more fit in 30 days than you are right now? We're going to begin for today. Now that you have a better understanding of some of the different things that go into it, what I want you to do is answer these questions. Beginning with, what does a fitter version of you look like? So this is not theoretical or hypothetical. It's not about somebody somewhere in general, you. Because every single one of us can and should and will have different answers. What does a fitter version of you look like? And I want you to keep this in the short term, not ultimately, you know, down the line years from now, in 30 days. What does a fitter version of you a month from now look like? What is different about you physically or your capacity in 30 days? How you feel about this, how you answer this really matters. Because if I were to tell you, well, if you can do more push-ups in a month, then you're fitter. But if that isn't what you think, if that isn't what matters to you, if that isn't how you want to express your fitness, then being able to do more push-ups in a month doesn't mean a thing. Maybe you would love to be able to go on a jog with your spouse and you can't now. You'd love to share that with them, but you're not there. Maybe that's what matters to you. How you define your fitness is, in my opinion, the most important thing. With that said, though, Let's say you love tennis and you want to get better at tennis. It doesn't necessarily mean that you would be fitter. And it also doesn't mean that you shouldn't get better at tennis. I want you to be able to differentiate, though, between what you love and enjoy and fitness. Because for me, I love barbell work. Deadlifts, squats, power cleans, those things make me feel strong. They make me feel capable. They take me out of the world and into the moment. And I can get better at those things and it will make me smile and it will make me feel powerful, but it won't necessarily make me fitter because of these different models that we've talked about with the general physical skills and the sickness, wellness, fitness continuum. If I'm already in the fit category, say with my deadlift or my back squat, continuing to get better there might make me happy and that's valid and I can do that, but I want to caution you against thinking that that'll make you fitter. It won't necessarily. Is it just something you love and want to be able to do more of? Great, you should. You absolutely should. But don't confuse that with this idea of fitness. So for me, when I went through this exercise, what does a fitter version of me look like? And I know that a heavier deadlift won't necessarily make me fitter based on where I fall in my 10 general physical skills and where I fall in my proficiency across those three metabolic pathways. When I consider things like resting heart rate, when I consider things like body fat percentage, when I consider things like agility or balance or endurance, one of them for me is becoming a better runner, faster and better, so not just faster. Now, you'll probably come up with 27 different things, as I can too. 
The important thing is not to get overwhelmed by that. Just pick one to start to work on. It's okay if there's 14,000 ways that you could become more fit. Start with one, right? Start with one. It's kind of like if you think about how you could uh, improve your house. Well, you're not going to do all of those home improvements at once. You're going to start with one. And the same thing is true here. For me, becoming a faster runner, becoming a better breather when I'm running, that cardiorespiratory endurance piece of it, efficiency when I'm running, that'll make me fitter. Now, for my mom, her greatest area of opportunity is probably going to be getting stronger. And there are lots of ways to measure that. Again, just like with there being lots of different ways where we can all increase our fitness, she doesn't have to tackle all of the ways to get stronger, but focus on one. So for her, maybe that's push-ups because that's something she can do whether she's home or she's not, whether she can get to the gym or she can't, whether she feels comfortable with a barbell or she doesn't, that's where she could start. So once you've identified one, keeping in mind that it will not be the only one, it's just where you're starting, think about some other questions like, how are the different ways that I could do this? So using my own example, becoming a better runner. Well, one part of that is getting leaner, right? Reducing body fat. The other thing isn't even about actually running, which getting leaner isn't really either, learning about great form versus practicing it the wrong way and then maybe spending more time running but then not getting better because my form is junk. So as my form gets better, I get better. So some of these factors that go into improving your fitness are not related to the thing itself. Like my mom, getting stronger isn't just about push-ups. It's also going to be about sleep. It's also going to be about nutrition. For me, running, it's about running for sure, but also learning more about running. CrossFit has a great running course that I took, and I learned so much about how to make it easier and more efficient on my body. I also know that for me, part of being a better runner is really working not just on running more and running faster, but on practicing that good form and also practicing my breathing. Because when I'm not in control of my breathing, even though my body can keep going, my legs don't feel tired, that endurance piece, being able to process and deliver oxygen throughout the body, I'm getting in the way of that because I'm not breathing well. So becoming a better runner, first I want to know, where am I now? And you have to do that too. What is my baseline? What is my starting point? Because without that, it is impossible to really clearly say if you got better, say, over a month. So for me, that means getting my one mile time, run a mile, get the time, but also my 400 meter time. 400 meters is quarter mile. And I want to know that because... There's two different pathways there. One is that oxidative pathway. One is going to be more in that glycolytic pathway because of the distance. And I want to know both. Now, I could also do a 100-meter sprint, but we don't have to start everywhere. So what is your baseline? For my mom, can she do a push-up on her toes? And if she can, how many can she do in a row? Or if she can't, where is her starting point when she's doing it standing against the countertop? That's what we want to know. Then 
It's not just about do more push-ups or run more. It is about what do I need to know about my body mechanics and how am I going to learn that? Who can help me learn that? How am I going to practice that, right? The difference, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, the difference between practice and training and competition. Those are very different things. If I go run my one mile for time and then tomorrow I do it again trying to beat my time, I'm not practicing. I'm not training. I'm competing with myself. And that is very different. So maybe what I'll do this week is focus on 400 meter runs where I'm only focusing on my form and my breathing. I'm not trying to go fast. I'm trying to run well. And then maybe in two weeks, I do some speed stuff. So I'm doing 100 meter runs for time. Yes, still working on mechanics, but focusing more on time. And then maybe I do a longer run and I'm going really slow, but I'm trying to really have great form. It's all of those factors. And then what what am I doing to get leaner? How does my nutrition play into that? How does inflammation play into that? What do you think will make you more fit in the short term over the next 30 days? What are the factors that go into that? Like the example with running, leanness, right? Learning good form. So what are the different elements? And then not competing. So if you want to get stronger and you say, I want to be able to deadlift my body weight, Well, you're not every week trying to best your max. Maybe you're doing some lower weight, higher reps. Maybe you're doing 80% of what you can do now, but you're doing a 10-minute EMOM every minute on the minute. You're doing two reps at that weight, or you're learning about form, or you're going lighter on the weight, but really focusing on your form. All of those things we have to consider. What are the factors that go into this, and how are you going to differentiate between practice Practice the mechanics, training, putting them into motion, but you're not competing with yourself. And then that last thing, which is competing about yourself, and you're trying to best your effort. Get that baseline. Where are you now and when will you retest? I recommend 30 days. What did you learn from your retest? Think about those 10 general physical skills. Where do you feel like you're best? Where do you feel like you're weakness, weakest? Which would you enjoy improving the most? What do you want to get good at? What does that fitter version of you in the short term look like? And what will you do about it? And know that this is something I'm thinking about a lot. I'm thinking about how I can make this easier to track and have at your fingertips all the time because I think this awareness is so important so that we stay out of this cycle of just spinning our wheels doing the work, but the work isn't working for what we want. I talked a little bit about fitness and the things I've learned from fitness as it relates to life in episode 507, and I welcomed you guys to ask, welcomed you guys? Does that even make sense? I invited you guys to ask any questions that you have about movement, about fitness. And I want to repeat that because I'm going to have an episode coming up here in the next four or five where I answer your questions, whether it's about CrossFit, which is what I choose to do for my workouts, or it's about this idea of fitness or anything in between. You can head over to the show notes at primalpotential.com forward slash 509. Or you can reach out to me on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton with those questions, and I will for sure be getting to them very soon. Let's wrap up with a meal I loved recently. It was just last night. No, it wasn't. I lied. It was two nights ago. 
My girlfriend came over. She had never had cauliflower rice, so of course I had to introduce her to it. I made my keto burrito bowls. That recipe is up on the blog. If you go to primalpotential.com and you search keto burrito, it'll come up. So the cauliflower rice I made with cilantro and lime, and I topped it with guacamole, some hot sauce, and though the keto burrito recipe is steak. I used grilled chicken thighs because I had them and they were thawed and I love grilled chicken. But yeah, it was amazing. So, so good. And the workout I loved recently is one I might have shared with you before, but I did it at home. Didn't get to the gym the other day. So I did three rounds for time. So you're going as fast as you can. Three rounds of time for time of 15 thrusters and 12 burpees to a target. Um, you can Google thrusters if you don't know what they are, but I had some dumbbells here that I did it with. 15 thrusters, 12 burpees to a target, which means at the top of the movement, you jump up and hit a target um, and do that three times. So 15, 12, 15, 12, 15, 12. It was great. If you have questions, I would love to hear them. I don't think that any of these topics that we ever cover on the podcast, it's the be-all, end-all. There's no room for further elaboration or discussion. I always see them as starting points for every single one of us. So if you have questions, you can hit me up on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton or on the show notes, primalpotential.com forward slash 509 is the show notes page for today's episode. And we will revisit this stuff again soon. Make it a great day. Give some thought to these questions, put your answers into action, and I'll talk to you really soon. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there.